The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 27th, 2020. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She knows everything you Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. And yes, we are live in the studio here, and really, really excited to be here. Uh, I have a real great show this morning for all of us. I have two special guests for this show. Joining me uh, on the phone will be Laura Wells, who's a longtime activist and Green Party organizer. And we'll be talking about a great topic, public banking. She's going to give us a historical perspective and recent rulings in California. She'll also give us some insight into South Dakota, which has a thriving um, public banking system. In fact, during the meltdown in 2008, South Dakota was not even affected because of their banking system. Also, uh, the second half of the show, joining me on the phone will be Sonoma County First uh, District Supervisor and Current Chair, uh, Supervisor Susan Gorn, and she'll be giving us an update on shelter in place happening here in Sonoma County. And I know we've reached many, many counties, and I know the information that she's about to give will help all of us throughout throughout our our great county. Anyway, um, so many things happening, and the, the most important thing that's happening to me on Tuesday, and I want to do a shout out: Happy birthday to my daughter, uh, Susan Jensen. She was the most wonderful miracle that came into my life. Uh, I'm not going to say how many years ago she would she would hit me in the head. She is a kind and loving person, and she's the co-owner of Economy Plumbing here in Santa Rosa. And I'm really very very proud of her. Uh, we, I have two grandchildren with her, and now also a great grand a great granddaughter, uh, Satori Trinity, which is just amazing to me. So happy birthday, my sweet daughter. Happy birthday to you, and may this year be filled with blessings and lots of good adventures. Anyway, you know, last Monday of the month, uh, we're going to be doing the Women's Spaces Pledge, and, uh, you know, it's really helped me during these times staying at home, you know, having to really hold on to my own self-esteem and my own self-worth while we shelter down and try to make sense of everything that's happening. I mean, I I have to say this. I really have to say this. I cannot believe the big deal they're making over abortions right now. When we can't even get masks, we can't even get masks for a lot of our frontline people. We can't get uh, protective gear. I mean, come on. Let's put our priorities where they belong. You know, if we are really concerned about life, there's all kinds of life-sustaining things we can do. And remember, folks... All of us were once fetuses. Very, very interesting. Anyway, uh, I want to give us a little bit of history, like I always do. Our our history is our strength. And I want to do a shout-out for the National Women's History Alliance of uh, uh, Molly McGregor, who is the executive director for every month. They put out all kinds of information about different women and, and what they accomplished, their birthdays. So I'm going to talk about a few accomplishments here that happened around this time on April 26, 1777. Wow. 
I think that's a year after we wrote our Declaration of Independence. My goodness. So April 26, 1777, American revolutionary heroine Sybil Lundinkin, she was 16 years old, rides 40 miles on horseback in the middle of the night to warn the American militia that the British were invading. Well, we thought Paul Revere was the one that did this. Here we have this young woman, Sybil Lundigan, who was only 16 years old, writing to tell them that. Then on April 28th, which is my daughter's birthday, it's the first Take Our Daughters to Work. It was a day sponsored by the Miss Foundation. In 2003, it became Take Our Daughters and Sons to Work Day. So, of course, we had to, <laughs> God forbid, we should just, just take our daughters. Of course, our sons need to do it, too but it's just amazing it's just amazing women can it seems like we can't do much on our own sometimes well here's some interesting birthdays on april 26 1907 and she made her transition in 1991 julia godman rotula she was a union recruiter activist and journalist worked for the cio's international woodworkers of america during the eight and a half month lockout in 1937 raised community support protested the vietnam war and still walked in the picket lines at 80 at 80 despite having asthma ulcers arthritis and angina what an inspiration i mean sometimes nothing stops us women and then on april 27 1906 uh, a woman was born and made her transition in 1993 was alice dungan that's d-u-n-n-i-g-a-n the first african-american woman journalist accredited to cover congress in 1947 and the white house supreme court and the state department documented clan action uh, when no white newspaper covered them the first journalist of cover of color to travel with president truman on his train in 1948 but she had to pay her own way can you imagine now having to pay her own way? Everybody wants their, their share. And she was appointed to the staff of the President's Committee on Equal Employment Opportunity in 1961. Well, a shout-out to Alice Dugigan and happy birthday, April 27th. That was yesterday. And then one of our most historic figures in our time, and the one that I remember, is the April 27th, 1927. Seven, and she made her transition in 2006, was Coretta Scott King, civil rights, human rights, and peace activist, and the wife of Dr. Martin Luther King. Oh, Coretta, my goodness, Coretta Scott King, what a beautiful woman she was, and so articulate in her speaking. So it's good. Our history is our strength, and why do I say that? I picked that up from the National uh, History Alliance here uh, from, from Molly McGregor, but why is our history our strength? Because because when we know what other women, I mean, when I think of uh, Alice Dugingham, what she went through to, to report all these things that were happening, when I think of what Coretta Scott King did, or with this, or all these women that I mentioned, it gives me strength, it gives me courage, it gets me to do the things that I want to do. Well... That's a lot to think about. And, you know, I just want to let you know that Ken and I, we had a pretty good weekend. We, we're doing shelter in place. It does have its, ha- its challenges, and we are taking walks every day and doing uh, chi- uh, Tai Chi. And I want to do a special shout-out. 
to all the frontline people. I mean, we've been we've been getting ourselves out once a week going grocery shopping, and it's really very, very inspiring and very comforting to see how we're being taken care of, how they're spraying down the shopping carts, how they're greeting us, how they're letting only so many customers go in, and how friendly, and all of a sudden people talking in lines and making trying to make sense of what's happening. And the most important thing that I have learned in this whole situation, especially with the, uh, you know, six feet apart and all the different things that are going on, is what I've learned is that if one of us is not safe, none of us are safe. You know, it's the same thing. If one of us, if one country's at war, any country can be at war. If one child is killed, any child can be killed. And if you have the, the coronavirus, you can pass it on. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of me. You're not taking care of your children. You're not taking care of the county. So it's very important that we walk away with that, that we're not alone on this planet, that we're one family of humanity, and we must take care of one another. I mean, we see the downside of not all of us not having medical. I mean, my God, someone's infected, can't get to the doctor and lives next door to you and doesn't know it, and all of a sudden you're chatting with them? Come on. We have got to know these things. We've got to protect one another. And I'm proud to say if everyone looks at the Press Democrat, there's a letter to the editor on Monday that I wrote. And, you know, I think I made it pretty clear. We have to put our priorities where they belong. And the priority should be, the first priority should be we the people, that we are protected and taken care of. Well, that's a lot to think about. So let's go on. Let's do the pledge. And there's just me and Ken in the studio. So, Ken, if you could please join me, I would really appreciate it. You know, self-esteem, I'm thinking actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of contemplating. I'd like to do a little Zoom uh, a Zoom presentation on uh, self-esteem. So if anybody out there is listening that would be interested in attending, please email me at E-L-A-I-N-E at women's, W-O-M-E-N-S-A. S-P-A-C-E-S dot com and let me know and I'll put you on the list and when I'm ready I will definitely notify you. I have a new slogan. We're no longer boomers. We're now Zoomers. Hey, we're all one generation now, the Zoomer generation. It doesn't matter if you're just born or you're 100 years old. You're part of the Zoomers. <laughs> it's just amazing. Okay, let's go ahead and let's do the pledge. As I've told my listeners many, many, many times, I have done. I wrote this pledge for my grandson, Ryan, when he was about five years old, when he came out of daycare crying his eyes out because his teacher said, Ryan, you're a bad boy. Oh, my goodness grandma's hair on her arms stood on edge and i said you what how dare them say that to you your self-esteem does not depend on that teacher and i made up the same and it was really an amazing thing and when he graduated he def graduated uc santa cruz he definitely let me know he let me know that he that pledge really played a big part in his life and i hope it plays a part in yours and you know it's so interesting i i called up i get my um I get my cards at Staples, and I called them up, and I asked them, I says, how many cards have I ordered? You know, because I was down to my last five. Well, now I can't give any of them out unless you want to put, the, you know, uh, what, disinfectant on them. But, I mean, and I found out, you're not going to believe this. You know, there's a Jewish word, it's called yenta, and I proved my yentatism. <laughs> I gave out 7,000 cards. Oh, my goodness. 7,000 cards. Well, it's been over, uh, you know, about a seven-year period. So, you know, it's been a while. But I couldn't believe it that I put that card in with that pledge into 7,000 women's 
and men and young men and young women especially I tr- love to give them to teenagers and have them do a little circle around me and do the pledge with me and they're just they first they look at me like I'm goofy you know who's this old woman coming up with this card and wants to do this pledge but once they do the pledge and once we kind of talk about it you see a real big change and a friendliness towards me that's just amazing so let's go and let's do the pledge what I'm going to do is I'm going to say one line and you folks out there listening to me, just repeat. And if you could repeat with me also, Ken, I would really appreciate it. So let's start. My self-esteem, My self-esteem does, not depend does not depend on anything, on anything outside, of me. outside of me. My self-esteem, my self-esteem depends, depends on my relationship, on my relationship with, myself with myself and my higher power. And my higher power. Oh, I just love that. I'm going to say it really. Just listen to it. Just take it in. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. It's just such a powerful saying. It's so simple. And, you know, higher power to me is very, very simple. I used to say the great whatever, the great woohoo, the great whatever again, the great out there, the great mystery, you name it. But I finally came out with the idea of higher power because there's something greater than all of us in this universe. There's something that protects us. There's something that guides us. It's just just something. I don't know what it is, but there is some sort of power that we can all connect to. And so this pledge is what you're saying is you're making a pledge to yourself that you're not going to define yourself by anybody else's definition, that you are finding out who you are in relationship to yourself, to the world outside of you, and to your own spiritual experience. So I'm going to say it one more time, and then we're going to go into a musical break. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Those are some powerful words, folks. I say that five times before I come on the air. Because I know, you know, maybe I'll make a mistake. Maybe I'll forget something. Maybe something happens. I cannot let that bother me. And my self-esteem is not involved in it. It's just something happening. And it's okay. Because I'm okay. Just like you're okay. Well, we're going to take a musical break right now. We're going to be talking about public banking with Laura Wells, and I'm really excited about this. Laura is a very, very bright, intelligent woman, and she comes with she comes to the show with great information and great experience in this area. But I thought I'd play the song, uh, a song written by uh, Bob Dylan. It's called The Times They Are A-Changing. And folks, the times they are a-changing, and we need, we need to be awake. We have opportunity now to make some very dramatic changes in our lives, in our country. You know, it's interesting. When I talk to people, they'll say, oh, yeah, I just cleaned this out. I I went into the garage. I haven't been able to do it for years. All the different things that we're able to do. In fact, before I play play the song, it's real interesting. uh, As you know, I'm the president for the National Organization for Women. And they came out with this this thing, um, this talking about, different ways that we can celebrate Women's History Year. You know, this year, I mean, I hope we haven't forgotten about it, but in August, we're going to be celebrating 100 years since we uh, got the vote, which is amazing. In 1920, August 26, 1920, was when the 19th Amendment was ratified. 
And, you know, there's different things we can do. So I'm going to do every week, I'm going to give you two hints which you can do as women. The first thing is that they suggest is explore the history of women's rights. Get on your, commu- your computer. Make a, make a, uh, uh, you know, make it a, a, like an event that you're going to find out one or two, maybe three things. Go to the National Women's History Project. They have all kinds of information on all kinds of different women and all kinds of history. And then the second thing they're saying is to become aware of the issues women face today. You know, make a list. Try to figure it out. You know, although women have made progress, we are still struggling. So here's two things you can do. Explore the history of women's rights and be aware of issues women still face today. And if you find out anything interesting... Come on, email me at elaine at womenspaces.com. Let me know, and I'll even give you credit for sending me the information and do a shout-out on the radio. I think it's a good idea that we all get ourselves educated and find out about what's going on in the world. Okay, so, Ken, we're ready for the times they are changing. A Bob Dylan song sung by the brothers and sisters. When we return, I will be talking with Laura Wells, longtime activist and organizer for the Green Party. And we will be talking about the benefits of having public banking. And I'm curious what difference it would have made if it were in place during this time when we are dealing with this pandemic. Laura has worked extensively on this issue, and I'm sure that she will have many answers for us. Okay, we ready?
Boy, I just love that song. And let me tell you something. The times, they are changing. A little bit of something I heard recently. There's a young group called the Sunrise Movement. And they wrote our vice president, uh, our our former vice president, who's now running for president, Joe Biden, a list of their demands. Young people speaking out for their future and the times they are changing. And you older people out there, you better listen because it's their future we're playing with. Anyway, for you folks just joining, you are listening to KBBF 89.1 FM, Calistoga, Santa Rosa. I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of KBBF, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, I want to introduce my first guest joining me on the phone from Oakland is Laura Wells. Welcome, Laura. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Well, thank you. It's a great place to be. (laughs) You know, and before we start, can I please tell my listeners just a little bit about you? Is that okay? Okay. Laura Wells is a Green Party organizer residing in Oakland. She has run as a candidate for the Green Party for the for state, California State Controller and California Governor. Her platform has been to reform Proposition 13 in order to tax the rich and to close corporate tax loopholes. Boy, what a goal, Laura. When she ran for governor in 2010, she introduced many Californians to the solution of public banks. Anything else you would like to add, Laura? Well, I think we can just get right into it. Um, well, before I do, I have to get—I have to tell my folks, my uh, listeners, a little secret about you. Something that we share in common. Laura's a beautiful ballroom dancer. <laughs> And, and definitely not doing ballroom dancing now. I know, but, but I'll never... <laughs> you can't do that six feet away. <laughs> anyway, Laura, thank you so much for coming on to the program and for talking about this very, very important subject. I know they even have a group here in Santa Rosa that's working on it. So let's start the conversation with... Let's talk first. What motivated you first to become involved with pu- uh, public banking? And what are some of the challenges that you that you face becoming an advocate? Well, I had run uh, for the State Office of Controller, which is a follow-the-money position in California. And uh, then then there was a 2008 global financial meltdown. And I ran for governor of California because that was a great time to follow the money, to look at the money and, and see what was happening. And a friend of mine told me about the idea of a state bank which I had not heard about before. So this was 10 years ago in 2010. And so I found out about it. I found out that Ellen Brown, you were talking about uh, Paul Revere. Ellen Brown has been the Paul Revere of public banking and has let every, written books about it and let everybody know, started a public banking institute, which has a fascinating website that talks about it. And so I found out about a state bank. And one interesting thing to me is that when I would be passing out leaflets, and sometimes people are determined not to pick up the piece of paper, you know, and I, I want to hand it out, and they don't want to pick it up. But I would say, state bank, invest in California, not Wall Street. And they would pass me by, come back and pick it up. It's that kind of a solution. It's that... Um, so let's go into North Dakota. Well, before before we do that, Laura, before we do that, I just 
for our listeners, I want to give a little definition of what is a public bank. A public bank is a bank that is controlled by and principally funded by the government body rather than by private investors. So that that's the, the really the key to it. Would you say that? Yes, and yes, and that's what happened uh, in North Dakota a hundred years ago, actually in 1919, where the people's economy, their money was being controlled by Wall Street bankers from New York and they were farmers who were doing all the work in North Dakota and then they were getting foreclosed on. You know, their houses were being foreclosed on by the banks and taken over by the banks. So they're doing all of this hard work and because of the financial system, they were losing, you know, you have a bad crop or whatever and they were losing their farm. So they took it into their own hands and decided that they would create their own bank based on the capitalization that's possible it was possible then in North Dakota and it's possible in every district jurisdiction now there is capital that you can make your own bank so then they did that and like I said it's been a hundred years and it's been um, people, governors from all different, you know, from the two parties and all of that. We wish there were more parties than just those two. But all of their government governors, nobody's touched it. Everybody's kept it. Well, um, because uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and so that has served as an example that proof that it can happen. And so, so people learned a lot about North Dakota. And as you said, that in, in the 2008 meltdown, the state of North Dakota was the only one whose budget wasn't turned upside down by the Wall Street caused meltdown. So it proved itself right then. Well, it's a, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thought, you know, and I know in California, I know there, there's been quite a few, there's been a lot of rumbling and I think, I think they're actually processing it now where there's a possibility that they will have public banking. So talk about what, you know, it's, it's a great word, public banking, but if you bring this kind of system in, what kind of changes do you see happening? I mean, how does that affect the community? And I'm sure everybody that's listening has the, the big question mark is here we have this pandemic. Had we had public banking, how would that have changed what's happening now? I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm just so amazed that we are so behind on so many things. And, especially when this is a life-and-death situation. So can you talk a little bit about that? Well, here's the good news, Elaine, is that there it's not too late. You know, we don't have public banking installed right now, but it's not too late. Um, there's a lot of momentum that's going on around the country, and um, the Public Banking Institute... Um, as I mentioned, it has a, a website, and for a while it was sort of a good-natured competition, like who's going to get it first, who's going to get it first. Well, in California, last October, October 2019, the, a law was passed and signed by the governor to make to create a legal and regulatory pathway for public banks to happen at the city level, regional level, state level. So that was needed in order to make it even possible. And right now, what could happen is that the um, 
states, not even just California, but could use the emergency executive powers to set up a state-owned bank. And so that could happen right now. There's a letter that was sent by the um, Public Banking Institute to Congress to show them exactly how that could happen. And it was sent to the governor and treasurer of California. And it was like exactly how that could happen. So this is an emergency situation that we have. There are emergency measures, measures that are in place that we can, through the solution of the public bank, take advantage of. Let me give you just a couple of examples. One is that the Fed, the Federal Reserve, is having near zero interest rates. And what entities can take advantage of that? Banks. People? Oh, no. But banks. So create a public bank, and then you can take advantage of that. And then there's something called the CARES Act which is the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act. They'll be doling out trillions of dollars, and that is something that could also be taken uh, advantage of by create using emergency powers to create the state-owned bank. Well, you know, now, i I got, I got to ask you a question here. Yeah. What, what you say is so marvelous. I mean, it's so interesting because I know we're going to talk a little bit about how the green, de- how the new, gr- new green deal, how that can come about if you have public banking. But the thing is, is that we have a presidential election coming up, and it's kind of interesting because I wonder how they would buy into that, especially when there's so much support for credit card companies. How, do, how does that how does that affect credit cards and stuff like that? I mean, do you still get credit cards, or do they still issue things like that from public banking? Well, that's a good question. And one of the things that, I mean, you can get a credit card from your local community bank. And in North Dakota, see, the the Bank of North Dakota essentially acts like the Federal Reserve for the banks in North Dakota. And so let's bring it home, let's bring it to California. Um if there were a bank for California, then it increases the number of community banks and local banks, as happened in North Dakota. It has the highest number of local and community banks per capita um, of any other state. That's North Dakota. And so then we could do that in credit unions and all that because the bank does not, the Bank of California would not be in competition with the local community banks and the credit unions. It would be in partnership with them. Um, uh, Let me see if I can, I think I can say this in a fairly clear way. Like right now, um, local banks, a small business, and and small businesses are totally affected by this virus. Um, But small businesses you know, can go to the local banks when they start up. Once they start getting bigger, the local banks don't have the capacity to serve them. So then they do partnerships, the local banks, then the, well, you know, Wells Fargo and Bank of America and Citibank and Chase, you know, they all say, well, we'll do a partnership with the local bank. You know, and then sooner or later they sort of lure the businesses away and they end up being... The only bank that they're doing business with is the Wall Street Bank because they make them offers they can't refuse. 
if you have a state bank, these community banks can retain their business customers and because they have the Bank of California behind them. And what's good about local banks, community banks and credit unions, is guess where they live and guess what they care about. They community. care about their community. Exactly. And so that is one one of the reasons that like sometimes people become afraid that um, that the Bank of California would would uh, be in competition with the local banks. No, they're partners. And je- and like the Bank of North Dakota is not a commercial bank. It's partners. It's like the banker's bank. You know, I want to ask. You, I want to ask you. This is the thought that's coming into my mind. Is when I'm thinking of public banking, I'm thinking of a state bank, or I'm thinking of here in let's say in we're, we're in Sonoma County has a public bank. What I'm thinking about is, it sounds like it's a it's a people's bank, and yes. and with 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 all the rumblings about this socialist and socialist democracy, how do you how do you separate that out for people? Because this is another in my mind, you know, just like healthcare, it's a social problem. A program, uh, education is a social program. Uh, medical is a social program. This is a social program, and and people seem to get it confused with socialism, or, 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 or somehow the government's being taken over. So how how do you separate that for people? There, you just realize there's a has been for decades and decades, probably a century. Uh, concerted effort for people to believe that if it's a social service, that means socialism. And and socialism is bad, they say. And so therefore social services, public social services are bad. You know, so it's but there's been a huge it sounds sort of ridiculous when when I say it out loud, but but that has been sunk into people's head that that providing health care is socialist you know what it is i started to realize that every time somebody was talking about social services that that's what they were calling socialism and so we must all be social socialists well the military i mean you know when i think about when i think about our representatives i mean they get salaries they're elected for years and years and years well let's go into you know talking about health care you know how does how does a public bank help that to to be able to get out to all the public. I mean, to me, the one of the things that this virus is showing, which which scares me personally, is if my neighbor doesn't have health care and is maybe has the virus and it can't get it can't get care, it puts me in jeopardy. You know, and so it's so important that everybody has care. How does this solve the problem for us? In what way well, does it in what ways does it help? There are all the aspects of what you you mentioned, the Green New Deal, the real Green New Deal. All aspects of that, when there are um, people who've been trying to improve the public schools, who've been trying to get health care for everybody, who want housing for everybody. There's no excuse for the wealthiest country the world has ever known not to have these things. But what there is always said is, we don't have the money, we don't have the money, we don't have the money, we don't have the money. And then suddenly, 
you know, when it comes to bailing out the banks, whether it was 2008 uh, uh, meltdown or, or bailing out the corporation, suddenly there's trillions of dollars. Well, if we have that money, control of that money in our own hands, see, to, to me, the bottom line is that there's too much money concentrated in too few hands. And when there is that concentration of money, there's a concentration of power and an immediate loss of democracy, which just means a loss of people's ability to make decisions over matters that affect their lives, their families, and their communities. If you stop the concentration of money in Wall Street and you have it in, literally, Main Street, then people can decide. Californians can say, no, we want single-payer. I mean... Poll after poll shows that people want Medicare for all. As a matter of fact, improved Medicare for all. Poll after poll is showing that people have, you know, have overcome the uh, threat of it being socialist um, and have realized that no, it just makes sense. You know, it's um, so, it, so we, it can be funded because you've got this money sitting around in funds. It, the, a, a public bank can be capitalized, and people can find out a lot more about that. Well, you know, it's interesting when they talk about socialism. I can't help but think about Frances Perkins when Roosevelt uh, put her on the Department of Labor, and she brought in child child welfare. She brought in uh, uh, unemployment. She brought in safety standards, and on and on and on. You know, and you think about it. You think that her and she. Uh, Admit it, she's this. I have social, these are social issues, and we have to take care of social issues. So it's, it's very interesting. Right. Well, we're coming to the end of our segment here. Time goes by too fast when we're having fun here, Laura. And there was yeah. one last thing, if you can just give a, just a little piece. When I uh, just want to tell my listeners that usually when I have guests on, I have them send me ideas of what they think is important to talk about. And then I incorporate it with my own questions. And you said something very interesting. One of your lines was taking care of our young people. And, you know, when I think of that, I think of education, I think of health care, you know, I think of good, solid family, uh, you know, have able to have good family, solid relationships. What, what did you mean that by that? How does public banking uh, integrate uh, with taking care of our young people? And then we're going to have to end this segment here. Well, for one thing, we can think about student loans. Oh, yes, Why yes. Why in the world do we have student loans for the people who are lucky enough to be able to go to college in the first place and come out with debt? More people should be able to go to higher education. We should have better public schools, you know, at all levels and all of that. I do want to point out that Prop 13 reform is coming. It's on the ballot in California in November, and it's schools and communities first. Um, is one of the ways that it, it's called. And that the money that's going to say vote no on that and the lies, can we just call them lies, that are going to come out against reforming Prop 13 uh, will be enormous. And so we really have to fight against that and, and share with people that, no, this just means that the corporations will have to pay their fair share in property taxes. It will not affect residential at all. I'm going to no put you... No rental, no nothing. Laura, I'm going to... Laura, I'm going to... It will help our young people. Laura, I'm going to put you on the spot. 
I would like you to come on as a guest and talk about Proposition 13, so I'll be in touch with you. Perfect, the next topic that I can have you on. I'm really excited oh, about that. My oh, no, no, this no, perfect. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's wonderful. Thank you for saying that. So, and last words, and give. can you give us the website, any website that you might recommend? Yes, and just in general, look up, uh, search for public banking, um, and then search for public banking Santa Rosa, public banking California, public banking East Bay. Um, but the basic one is that will get you all of those places is publicbankinginstitute.org. I should also give my own website, which is my name.org, laurawells.org, and I, I'll be talking about a lot of these things um, on that, you know, in that website and on that blog. But well, public, so laurawells.org and publicbankinginstitute.org just will to be re- easy to find. Just to remind my listeners that all these websites and everything will be on our website, www.womenspaces.com. Well, thank you, dear Laura Wells. Thank you for your loving friendship, for sharing all your knowledge with us. And I want to wish you all the success in the world with any, everything you are doing. Thank you, Elaine and Ken and everybody for everything we're all doing. Well, so thank good luck you. to all of us. Thank you, Laura, so much, my love. Anyway, we're going to take a musical break, and the song we will be playing before I bring on uh, Susan Gorin, Supervisor Susan Gorin of the 1st District, and she's going to talk a little bit about what's going on here in Sonoma County. I think we're going to listen to a real important song. It's called We Shall Overcome, sung by Mahala Jackson. When we return, I will be talking with Supervisor Susan Gorn, who represents the 1st District and is the current chair. She will be giving us an update on the pandemic and how programs that are set up to support the community. Free, 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 free
We should all be free one day, love. We should all be free, Lord, one day. Lord, Lord, fill our heart. Yeah, oh, do believe, Lord, we. Yes, we shall overcome. We're going to overcome this one. Hey, I just want to do a quick reminder to everybody that the census uh, uh, is coming to your mailbox, and it's very, very important that you fill it out and send it in. And I just want to give you some examples. You know, there's nutritional programs, there's state health programs for children that are defending, and education programs that are depending on the count of people in in your district or your area. So it's very important. And they also have a website, Consensus USA. You can fill it out that way. And I really recommend highly that you do that. I filled it out online. It was a simple, I, I couldn't believe how simple it was. Well, anyway, welcome back. Uh, you are listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And for this segment... On the line with me is Supervisor Susan Gordon, who represents the first supervisorial district in Sonoma County. Susan, uh, Supervisor Gordon, is also the present chair and was recently elected to serve her third term. Welcome. Welcome, Super- Supervisor Gordon. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Well, I'm delighted to be on this line with you, Elaine. It's been uh, way too long since we saw each other and worked with each other on Women's Spaces in person. So this is... Once again, we're sheltering in place, uh, but doing the best we can in communicating successfully. Well, well, let me tell you something. Uh, it's all right if I call you Susan, right? Let me Absolutely. T- let me tell you, Susan, if any anybody to run the programs that are happening now, you are the best choice. And I really appreciate what you've been doing, all the information that you've been giving out, and all the time that you've been taking. I mean, I just watched this last program when you were with, uh, I believe it was Representative uh, Mike Thompson, and I could see, you know, the care and the, and the enthusiasm that you have for some of the good things that are going on in this county. So let's talk about, first I'd like to know, how are we doing? I mean, thank goodness, I mean, we've only had two deaths. I mean, and I understand one of them is actually counted in Napa. So how are we doing in Sonoma County? We're actually doing very well. And I think credit goes to our community. They are really paying attention to our shelter-in-place orders. Everybody is sheltering in place except for those essential businesses that uh, we identified early on. Uh, Now I'm seeing more than ever people wearing their facial coverings. We all want to be safe. We all want to be healthy. And I do have a number of folks saying, listen, we have very few COVID cases in Sonoma County, which can just do away with all this shelter in place. Well, it's because we've sheltered in place. It's because we're now wearing facial coverings that we are doing well. And I'm so delighted that we're not like Italy or New York or other places that have overwhelmed their health care systems. Well, you know, I was, I've was i been to a few of the grocery, you know, going shopping. We've been coming out like maybe once a week trying to get everything done. And I've just been amazed at not only how friendly but how kind people are and how 
organized they are with the with the they have a little tape where you stand they they uh, wipe down your sh- your shopping carts you know i think we've come a long way since we've had these fires i mean it's just amazing what the county is doing well talk about some of the challenges that the county and many counties are facing and and how how are you conducting i mean how is the board how is the board of supervisors are you like i i don't know if you heard the beginning of the show i said we're no longer boomers we're now zoomers <laughs> that's actually very good I, I might steal that you can have it <laughs> you can have it it'll be our secret <laughs> or or do do some alliteration i'm a boomer zoomer <laughs> uh, we're actually doing very well uh we know how to to really move forward with emergencies and state of emergencies we activate our emergency operations center and we're on it and this time it's different uh, we are on it we are activating the emergency operations center and it's taking this pandemic is going to extend longer than anyone would like to see and that's the difference how do we as community members as employees and business owners as well as government attempt to normalize as much as possible using this environment, the shelter-in-place environment, uh, and and still conduct the essential business. Um, and so we're managing to do it. We're uh, we're actually old hands now at operating uh, and running a board meeting through Zoom. So for those of you who are listening, we are having a Zoom meeting tomorrow morning with uh, all of the supervisors and staff as uh, we will move forward rapidly with essential business in the consent calendar. But we're working, um, we'll really focus all of our energy on the updates from our health professionals uh, on updates for COVID-19. And also we're going to be having a special presentation by Rob Eiler of SSU giving us a dose of reality about the economic realities uh, uh, about what we're facing now and especially in the future. Sheba uh, Pearson-Whitley will be talking about what the Economic Development Board is doing to work with all of the business classes, business sectors uh, on safe distancing protocols if and when we reopen those business sectors. And we're going to have special reports from Karen Fees, uh, a director of health services, human services, sorry, about the work that they've been doing, fantastic work that they've been doing on providing eligibility advice and sign-ups for those folks, especially those folks without jobs, to sign up for CalFresh and other uh, other uh, benefit programs. Jennifer Tomlin uh, with Child Support Services as well. Can so can people can people can people uh, watch that? Is there is, absolutely? Can you can you email me the information and I'll put I, it on on the website. I will email you the link, uh, and it, if you go onto the Sonoma County Board of Supervisors meeting agenda, it will give you the information on how you can watch it live. But we also encourage public participation, and many people use the opportunity to pre-record messages today 
5 p.m. is the deadline, but you also can raise your hand virtually in the Zoom meeting when the uh, clerk of the board calls on you to ask your question or makes your comment two minutes uh, during the meeting and during the items tomorrow. Oh, that's so, well, it, that part of the meeting is going to take a while. We have some shorter uh, issues in the afternoon and a closed session that shouldn't take very long, but our morning meeting is essentially all about COVID, and uh, so we won't have a board meeting next week, but May 11th, we will have another board meeting, so I encourage everybody to, even if they don't have a comment, just to understand what the process is. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, all of my meetings uh, are run virtually. Yay! I don't have to get in my car and create greenhouse <laughs> gases. I can just sit in my home office That's and great. I'm playing around with virtual backgrounds. And they have set up a uh, sort of a film studio in my living room with a green background. So I do my YouTube recordings <laughs> in front of a green screen and they just sort of leave a professional camera there. I've learned how to record myself and then take the disc to a neighbor's house to for uploading and that my YouTube videos and interviews appear on socoemergency.org and YouTube. So do you, do you remember it's, it's exciting. Do you remember when I had the television show? Yes, I do. Yeah, that's that's exactly it sounds like you're that's the kind of studio you just set up. That sounds absolutely great. Well, listen, we're running we're running out of time and what I would like you to do is just give a little bit of information. I went on the Soco Emergency Preparation uh, Preparedness uh, website and I have to say I wrote something in the snippets which will be out on the uh, on the 3rd of May and I have to say that the team that you have set up for media is absolutely fabulous. I mean, I could not believe and of course, all women, <laughs> you know, and how helpful they were with with my article and making sure, you know, fact-checking things for me. And I just want to do a big shout-out for them. So let's talk about the Sonoma County Emergency Preparedness uh, website. Can you say a few words it's, about that? It's called SoCoEmergency.org. And it, it, it includes the dashboard with a number of COVID cases, new cases, hospitalizations, and I believe we're starting to uh, really category, categorize the diagnosed patients according to race and ethnicity. It's become a, a more of a concern in more urban areas, less of a concern in Sonoma County. But you may have read that uh, we've increased the testing this weekend, and we expect to increase the testing uh, systematically as the weeks go forward. So you can go on also youtube.com slash official Sonoma County and see a number of uh, YouTube videos that I've recorded as well as interviews with some of our uh, county officials and get more information than you ever wanted to know about COVID and helpful hints and resources if you are unemployed, if you are a business owner, if you're just really concerned about protecting your health. And it's in Spanish and English. So uh, please avail yourself of the information going forward. Well, Susan, I want to thank you so much for being on. Are there any last words that you'd like to say to our listeners? Any, any kind of anything that you'd like to say? 
I just wanted to say thank you to our community. I know you're anxious. We have a warm line, a crisis counseling warm line. If you feel at all anxious, please call that number. I don't have that line. Yes, I will. We will find it. Get that online. And uh, know that the Board of Supervisors is trying to get our economy put back together, reopen our businesses, get our students back in school. But we want to make sure that we're safe. And so the increased testing will give us that insurance that we can uh, open up our economy even more. And the other last word is we will be opening up our parks at 12 1 a.m. on Wednesday for walking and bicycle riding. And that includes uh, the Inland State Parks. I think we're confirming that. No coastal access yet. And we are going to be issuing a modified shelter-in-place order, opening up more construction activity, real estate activity, and a few other. Well, Susan, I'm going to have to cut you off, my friend. That's it for our show. And thank you so, so very much. Well, that's it for our show. Thank you to Laura Wells, activist. And Susan Gorin, Supervisor for the 1st District, for giving us an update on the pandemic and what's happening here in Sonoma County. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, April 27th, 2020.